0: So in August of 2008, I spent um, an entire Saturday doing yard work. Um, Have you ever done that before? August, Georgia. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what doing yard work in August in Georgia is like, uh, just imagine you're on the surface of the sun (laughs) and someone hands you a bag of grass clippings. That's, that's, That's pretty much... That's pretty much it. It was a very, very hot day. Uh, Finally finished. It finally was getting dark. So it was probably like about 8.30. I came inside, sat down to eat dinner and rest for a second. And as I'm sitting there at the table, all of a sudden I felt this pain in my chest. It was, it was uh, the way I describe it is it, it was like someone had their hand inside my chest and they just squeezed. And it only lasted like a split second. But it, it made me lose my breath. And, and you guys know this. I mean, you could have pain in any part of your body and it's not really that big of a deal. If it's in your chest, you're immediately like, uh-oh, like what is going on inside of me? I mean, you, we, we don't ever do that for a sore toe or a elbow, anything. It's like, yeah, we can live without headaches. We're like, we get headaches all the time. We don't, no concern. Nowhere. As soon as your chest start hurt, starts hurting, it's a big deal. So I'm sitting there and it happens. And again, it kind of takes my breath away. I was like, whoa, that was weird you know, kind of settles back down. I'm eating my meal about five minutes later, happens again. And then it starts happening every couple minutes. And I'm like, this is a little bit disconcerting. So I end up, I like, I took my pulse and I was like, well, maybe my heart's I don't know what's going on. Trying to check, you know, check and see what's going on. And, and what was happening was my my heart would just beat normal. And then as soon as I felt that little tightness in my chest, my heart would skip a beat. And I don't think it's supposed to do that. Um, (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I get a little more concerned, and then a few minutes later, I call I call Kelly over. I'm like, hey Kelly, I'm having these, these chest pains. She's like, hey, you're fine, you're fine. Did, did you did you finish the yard work by the way? And I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. Um, but I say, hey, no, no, come here, come here, feel this. And and she, you know, she she puts her fingers right here and she's feeling my pulse and and all of a sudden I felt, I felt one happen, but I was trying to like not give it away. I didn't want to like tip my hat, you know, so I had my poker face on. So I was staying real, real still and kind of just looked up like out of the corner of my eye, trying to act like nothing had happened. And I see her eyes, you know, she's sitting there and I see her eyes get about this big. And she was like, yeah, that's not good. Like you gotta, you gotta go to the hospital. And so I load up in the car And she sends me off to the ER. And I mean, just think about this. I'm 26 years old. I thought I was pretty healthy and in good shape. We'd been married just over a year. And now uh, it looked like a scene from an AARP commercial or something. I don't know. It was like, all right, honey, don't you go dying on me now. You know? So I head off to the ER. They get me checked in and they hook me up EKG and... Doctor comes in, he's like, hey, I think you're fine. He's like, well, we're, just, we're gonna monitor you for about 30 minutes. And about 30 minutes later, he came in. And he, what he diagnosed me with is something called PVCs. It stands for premature ventricular contractions. It's when the bottom half of your heart fires before the top half of your heart. And he said, these are very, very normal. And I was like, "Whoo! thank you. Yes, that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear normal, you know? And they're very common. He said, just about everybody gets them at some point. And sometimes people get them, they won't even know them. Uh, You can get them if you drink too much coffee or if you don't get enough sleep or you get stressed out. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much life right there. Too much coffee, not enough sleep and a little bit of stress, you know? So he's like, there's a number of different things that cause them. So, you know, I think think you're gonna be okay. In fact, this is what a PVC looks like on an EKG, you know? And this is what I was feeling. When I was feeling my pulse, this is what I was feeling. You know, again, normal pulse, normal pulse. And then all of a sudden right there, that drop down, is the bottom half firing before the top half. So he says, hey, I'm, uh, you're fine, you can go home. I'm gonna refer you to a cardiologist just to make sure they check you out and give you the thumbs up. So about a week, two weeks later, I go see a cardiologist and uh, we sit down, and start talking about, he's like, hey, tell me what happened. I'm out PVCs and he's looking at the charts and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I mean, you're, you're fine as long as you're not having 200 in a day. And I thought, 200, like, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I think I'm just having a couple. Like, okay, that was good. A lot, a lot of relief. That's great. You know, he said, why don't we put a heart monitor on you and you can wear it for a couple days. Just go about your normal life and then we'll come back and we'll see what's going on. So I, they hooked me up with this heart monitor. It hangs on your belt. Some of y'all have done this before. And I wear that for the next couple days and come back into his office. And he happened to be walking by when I was turning the thing back in to the receptionist. He said, oh, Adam, come back. He's like, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it real quick. That way you don't have to spend all day." In the office. So I go back in, in, into his office with him and he plugs it into his computer and he goes, Huh? Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. That's not what you want your doctor saying, ever. You don't ever want to hear that noise, <laughs> that sound from your doctor. I mean, you don't want your doctor to be surprised. You want this to be run of the mill. I've seen a thousand cases of this. I'm all, you want them almost yawning in boredom as they look at your, you know, heart rate monitor. He says, huh, you are having some PVCs. And I said, well, am I having more than the 200 that, you know, is my daily limit? And the, you know, that limit you don't want me to go over? Am I having more than the 200? He says, yeah, from the looks of it, you're having about 700 a day. Now, before you get too concerned, I just want to kind of fast forward to the end. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to be okay up here today. But what this ended up doing was it, it kicked into gear a, a journey of pursuing several different cardiologists, some that specialize in electrophysiology that really deal with the rhythms of the heart and getting checked out by multiple people, ended up with one of the best cardiologists in Atlanta. And he put me through all sorts of tests, stress tests and echocardiograms and EKGs. And at the end of all of it, he said, hey, you're you are you're fine, you're healthy, your heart's great. And you just happen to have a few cells in your heart that have a different rhythm. And, and we, we don't know the reason. Again, for some people, it's every time they drink coffee, they have them. For me, there was no, there was no tie to them. He said, so for whatever reason, they will fire up every now and then. So I said, hey, I'm, I'm not gonna drop dead of a heart attack. That's what you're telling me. He's like, no, yeah, you're fine. I was like, okay, that's great. I can live with the occasional, very rare discomfort that those things cause as long as I know, you know, that I'm not gonna drop dead sometime. So I say all that because we're in a series called Check Your Heart. And in this series, uh, we're talking about the heart, but we're not talking about the physical heart. You see, when it comes to the physical heart, it's really, really easy to take care of it. Well, at least we, we know how to take care. We, we may not choose to take care of it, but we at least know how to take care of it. On the front end, we know the steps that we need to take to make sure we have a healthy heart. In a room like this, we could come up with 20 or 30 different things of, hey, this is how you have a healthy heart. Again, we may not do them, but we certainly know about them. And then if something goes wrong, we feel it immediately. We're very concerned right off the bat and then we know exactly what to do. We call our primary care. We call our cardiologist. We go to the ER. And then once they figure out what's wrong with us, there's a number of different steps that they can take to help heal us. There's medication, there's surgery, there's different diet and lifestyle choices. So when it comes to our physical heart, it's, it's really easy to pay attention to. It's really easy to check. We, we kind of know how to do that. But what do we do when it comes to what the Bible calls the heart? What do we do with what Brian Adams called the heart when he said straight from the heart? I'm coming to you straight from the heart. What about Billy Ray Cyrus? The thing that he didn't want to get broken. Don't break my heart, my. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Right here, front row. Celine Dion said the heart must go on. Eh? What, What do we do with what they're talking about? Because see what they're talking about, what they're singing about, what thousands of other artists have have talked about and sang about what what we say when we go, oh, you know what, that really stole my heart. Or you know what, she really has my heart. What do we do when we're talking about that? Because when we are saying that word, we're not talking about the physical organ. We're not talking about this thing in our chest that pumps blood throughout our body. And when it comes to the scriptures uh, in, in the Bible, when, when it's talking about the heart, it's not talking about the physical heart either. The ancient audience uh, of the Bible would, would not even have been able to go to the organ because in, uh, in Palestine in the first century, uh, it was illegal to dissect a body. That would, that would uh, interfere with the rights of the dead person. It would make the other person unclean. So they didn't have this intricate knowledge Of the body. They they wouldn't have known there was a category of this organ behind our chest. Instead, for them, when they said the word heart, they were talking about the thing that was most central to us. That the central part of our beating, our inclination, our ethos, our life source, our disposition. Another word you could use for it is soul. It's that part of you that. When everything is going wrong, you've seen this in your life, you've seen this certainly in other people's lives. Someone loses a loved one, someone loses a, a job, someone gets diagnosed with cancer, and yet still, even though all the circumstances are bleak and they look, they look terrible, the person's still filled with joy and they're filled with hope, even though it seems like the whole world is against them. That's because they have a healthy heart. The opposite's also true. When everything in life is going right, when you step back and you look and you're going, I, I have everything I could have dreamed of. You're experiencing and, and, and seeing firsthand, everything is going great, but yet still we're miserable. We're bitter, we're defensive. We're, not, we're no fun to be around. Well, in that moment, it's because our heart is not healthy. Our circumstances are great, but our heart, is not healthy. This is what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the heart. And it talks about the heart a ton. The, the King James, the original English Bible had the, the word heart in there 800 times, 800 times between Old Testament and New Testament. Now, you know that they updated that language a lot through the years. We have the new international version today, a bunch of other versions these days, but um, you know, and, and updated a lot of that language from kind of old English to modern day, what we would use and in, in, in even the, in the NIV, there's still 500 uses of the word heart. So they were only able to uh, update 300 uses of the word heart. The, The other 500, they still just, heart is the word the scripture uses for it. And again, none of those are referring to the heart organ that we have inside of our chest. So if the Bible talks about it this much, it must be important. It's something we should pay attention to. The challenge though, is that As easy as it is to pay attention to our physical heart, it's just as hard to pay attention to our spiritual heart. What the Bible describes is the heart. And because we don't really have a great word for it, it's not an easy way to check in. I mean, we may assume we're doing that with with other people when we're like, hey, how are you doing? How's the job going? How's your family? How's the hobby? How's the thing? How's this week been? We think we're checking in on somebody's heart when we say that, but really we all know that all those things could be going great. And we can go, oh, great, great, great. That's going great. That's going great. That's going great. But yet still, our heart is not healthy. In some Christian circles, they try things like asking, hey, how's your heart? How's your heart? But no, nobody really likes that. I mean, there's, it feels icky. kind of feels weird when somebody asks you that. Hey, how's your heart? Like, how's your soul? How's your heart? And it can kind of get a little weird sometimes. But if it's this important to us, If it's important enough to put in the Bible over and over again, then what do we do to check our heart? How do we pay attention to our heart? How do do we guard our heart? Last week, uh, Beth Brady, our high school director, kicked off this series and she shared this verse from Solomon in the Old Testament. The Wisdom Book of Proverbs, he says, above all else, okay, if you don't do anything else, do this. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Not your circumstances, not how well you've achieved in life. That's that's not where it flows from. It flows from your heart. Circumstances can be really, really rough, but if your heart's healthy, you can be joyful. You can be alive. You can be a gift to people around you. And that's the reason why Solomon says, you gotta guard it. You gotta guard it. You gotta protect it. Pay attention to it, cultivate it, watch it. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Jesus talked a lot about the heart as well. Um, in the four gospel accounts that we have of his life, in his dialogues, he mentions the heart 28 times. Again, never talking about the organ, always talking about this kind of the ethos of a person, the soul of a person, the, that central part of their being. And we're gonna look at one of those instances today that's gonna help us in understanding how we guard our heart and how we check our heart. He, he, Jesus in this passage sort of doubles down on what Solomon was saying a thousand years earlier. And he details it a little bit more. Basically, Jesus was saying, look, the heart's important. And if you're gonna guard your heart, you gotta know what I'm about to tell you. You gotta know what I'm gonna teach and what I'm gonna unpack over the next few minutes. This is what he says. It comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus says this, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now this word treasures here in in the original language is, it's interesting. It actually just means stores. So if the, the, the English from the original language would, would say, don't store up for yourself stores on earth. And this is because for the original audience in the first century, anything they stored up was a treasure. Anything they stored up was valuable. Anything they stored up, they had so little and and, and they didn't have like all these storage units, you know, that they self-storage, you know, in in Jerusalem and Israel in the first century. Um, So everything they stored up was just the few things they could keep, you know, close to them, in their house, whatever. Fast forward today, what do we store up? Junk, right? For the most part. Thank you. We, we... (laughs) We, we got a, we, you know, we got a, a storage room in our house and what fills up the storage room? I mean, there's a couple things in there that are like keepsakes and nice things, things we want to hold on to. But most of it, it's like, hey, if that disappeared from our life tomorrow, we would never know the difference. It's uh, it's the reason why we have a, a storage drawer on our Island that we put stuff in. And what do we call that drawer? the junk drawer. We call it, we know what we're doing. We know it's like, I just scrape all the junk from the counter down here into this drawer. We have companies, uh, that are named like junk 1-800 junk removal. Like that's, they've built entire businesses around the junk that we store up. So, so it's a little bit different for us for first century. They were storing up specific things it's, it's not really the same for us, but here, here is what Jesus meant. When he said treasure, when he was talking to these people about the things they stored up, this is what he meant. A treasure is anything you get security from, anything you get significance from, and anything you get ongoing satisfaction from. Like not just like a, a moment of satisfaction, but like a, it kind of makes you happy in an ongoing way. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why not? Jesus says, Where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, moths and vermin and thieves. Oh my. <laughs> now, this was, again, common to the first century honest. They would have known exactly what he said, because they would have known exactly what he was talking about because they'd all experienced this. Things that they would save up would be something like a garment. Um, clothing back then was a, a huge, huge deal. You, you, you didn't get a ton of outfits. You didn't have Amazon delivering stuff every single day. And, you know, fashion didn't change every few months. Uh, it pretty much stayed the same through generations. So you would hold on to garments in order to pass them down. And it wouldn't be like five or six garments. It might be a couple. Garments were a really big deal. This is the reason why they cast lots for Jesus's clothes when he was hanging on the cross. You remember this, this part of the story? I mean, they were, they were casting lots for a dead man's clothes. That's how valuable garments were in the first century. People would store up food. Um, there was no refrigeration in that day, but if there was some sort of food goods that they could store up and they could have food for a couple days or a couple weeks, that was a really, really big deal. And then lastly, they would store up valuables, something that maybe was again a family heirloom or or some uh, a piece of of some valuable that would be able to be traded for something later or sold if they ever got in a bind, and they would store these things up in their home, and then moths would come in and they would ruin the garment. Anybody in here ever had a shirt that had moths, like eat some holes in it? I know the guys do because the guys will hold on to that stuff like. It's not honey. Our wives are like, Hey, you got to throw that shirt in the trash. That is awful. It's got holes all in it. You're like, honey, this is my shirt from high school when we won the state championship, you know, or whatever connection we have with it. But yeah, the moths would get in and they would, they would destroy the garments. Vermin would get in, they would get into the food stores and they would spoil the food stores. These would come in and steal the valuables or the food or whatever they could take. They didn't have ring doorbells, you know, discouraging folks from crime in the first century like we do nowadays. So People would just break in and take what they needed. So this was a real life occurrence that, that, that Jesus is talking about here. And everybody kind of would have been nodding along like, yeah, we've seen that, we've experienced that. But again, he's talking about something, he's talking about the bigger picture here. And he's saying, don't treasure things that are fleeting. And remember, treasure means significance, security, satisfaction. Don't put your significance, your security, your satisfaction, don't put your hope in what may be gone in a moment. Instead, Jesus says, he continues, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, for us, especially if you've been in church a long time, where your mind goes when he says this is like, again, that eternal place in the sky with the clouds, with the harps and the the angels and the whole thing. And it's like, we start thinking about like putting crowns in heaven. But that's not exactly what he means here. Because his first century audience, some of them wouldn't even have believed in the, the afterlife. That wouldn't even have been a place for them. And then also this word is, is plural in the original language. It's heavens. What Jesus is saying is uh, look to the unseen, look to what is permanent, what is long lasting that can't be just destroyed or taken away or gone in a moment. Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. You gotta live for what is lasting live for what is lasting and prize what is permanent. Four, he says, because that's what he's saying. Hey, I've just told you to do these things. Don't do this and do this. Here's why. Here's why this is so important that you live this out. Four, where your treasure is. And again, keep in mind your security your significance, your ongoing satisfaction, what you prize in life. Where that is, well, there your heart will be also. Your heart, the center of your being, your soul, your life source, what, what flows out of you when you speak in conversations what you bring to the table at work, what you bring to the table at home, what you bring into that relationship, what you bring into your marriage, what you bring into your friendships, that's your heart. And Jesus is saying your heart is on the move. Your heart is on the move towards whatever you are treasuring. And this is why he says, don't put, don't put your security, your significance, your satisfaction in things that are fleeting. Don't put your hope in what is temporary. You gotta live for what is lasting. Another way uh, you could paraphrase it is Jesus is saying this. He's saying, don't treasure what's temporary. Prize what's Permanent. Don't treasure what's temporary. Prize what is permanent in order to guard your heart. If you care about that part of you, if you realize its importance and you realize the implications on every other area of life that your heart has and you wanna guard it, you wanna check it, you wanna pay attention to it. If you're gonna do that, you got to pay attention to what you are treasuring. Again, your security, significance, satisfaction. Now, I, I tried to come up with some ideas around what we have a tendency to treasure in our day and age that may not be the most long lasting things. Like if there was invisible moths in the 21st century, they would be eating these things up like crazy, okay? And so I came up with a short list. It's not all encompassing. And I gotta, I gotta explain a little bit of it to you. So don't jump to conclusions if something's up there that, that upsets you. But here's, here's just a few things that we are tempted to treasure. Our job, we, we can find all sorts of significance from our job. Like we feel important. This somehow validates me. And we also can feel security in our job. And we also know that jobs are fleeting, aren't they? I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had recently of, oh yeah, our company's downsizing. Oh yeah, they made a change about this department and now I'm out of work and I'm looking for work. And even if we think things are great at work and even if it lasts a couple more years, maybe a, a decade, It's still temporary. We can't find our significance and our security there. Stock market. I think back to 2020 uh, during COVID when everybody became a professional stockbroker from their house. Y'all remember this? And the funny thing was like everybody starts buying stocks and the stock market in 2020 from like March, of course it crashed in March, that wasn't good. But from from March until December of that year, I think it went up like a hundred percent. So these people in December are thinking, I am a professional stockbroker. I'm gonna quit my job and do this for a living. I am so good at this. And then 2021 and 2022 happened, right? If you've ever looked into this, ever gotten into it, you ever watched the TV shows, they got people, they got somebody one hour after the next that's on there. They're talking nonstop about the market. And even those people, they don't know what's gonna happen. They don't know what's gonna happen. It's temporary. It's temporary. It fluctuates. Stock market, your savings, your 401k, your security doesn't ultimately come from that. The kids, when, when, what I mean by kids on here um, is specifically our kids' performance. We are tempted to treasure our kids' performance. Their performance academically, their performance athletically, their performance behaviorally when they're young, When they're older, it's their performance around their career, their life choices, family. We've had kids for 13 years. And it's been 13 years of learning that kids don't always do what you want them to do. Newsflash, right? I mean, we, we as parents, we love them and we, we, we wanna set the path for them. And we, when they're little, little, little kids, like we're training them up and it's like, oh, they're, he's learning, that's great. He's actually learning not to hit his brother. And then five minutes later, he hits his brother, right? That's how it plays out in the, in the, in the, in the little league when they're little. But then they start to get older and they make different decisions about athletics and academics. And and then they... they Make a different decision about college or their career. And some of you experience this. You, you want them to get married and have kids, and they're choosing another path. And it's the reason why we can't set our hope on their performance because their performance is temporary. It can go either or. We're tempted to treasure it nonetheless. Hobby. You see that and you're like, oh, come on, what's, what's, what's wrong with a hobby? You know, there's, there's yeah, it's just, just for fun. It's good for everybody. Yep. But when it starts to move into that category of treasuring it, when we're finding significant satisfaction, ongoing satisfaction or security, our heart moves to the hobby. And then our heart is in another place than it probably should be. Because there's people over here that need our hearts, but yet our hobby has our hearts. Reputation. This is one, I mean, it's personal for me. I I love people having a favorable opinion of me. Something I have to deal with all the time, but I like having a good reputation with people. I don't like it when people are upset with me. And sometimes things can be, you know, going good. And then the just certain conversation comes along or that certain email comes along. And all of a sudden, boom, if my hope is set on my reputation, if I'm treasuring my reputation in that moment, it's gone. Moth has eaten it. The vermin have spoiled it and thieves have stolen it in that moment. So it's temporary, but yet, We can all in our own way be tempted to treasure our reputation. And the last one on here that i put is the stage of life. And this is just that idea that we get into a certain season of life and we kind of look around and we go, ooh, I love everything about this. Can we just hit the pause button? And then we start to value that season of life in a way that our significance, our satisfaction, our security begins to transfer transfer to it. And then inevitably that season, that stage of life is gonna come to an end. And when it does, our hearts have gone with it. There's countless other examples that you could put up here. But we're all tempted to treasure things that are temporary. Moths are gonna eat these things up. And you may be having an argument in in, in your head with me right now of like, Adam, I don't know, those, those things are pretty good. And aren't those things like a reality of life? And they are, they are good. These are not bad things. And this is what I want you to see. It's not about just getting rid of all these things and saying no to all these things, but it's about discovering what is the permanent or lasting part of each of these. Oftentimes, Keeping ourselves from treasuring what is temporary is just a perspective shift. Rather than seeing our job as something that validates me or gives me some sort of security, see it as something that God has provided you with. He's your heavenly father. He's ultimately you're a provider. And you may think to yourself, well, no, Adam, I, I worked really hard to get this job. And it's like, yeah, I know. But who gave you the brain and who gave you the body and who gave you the skills and who gave you the story that led into that job? You should love your job. I wish that everybody woke up Monday morning so excited to do their job. We should love it. We should be excited about it. We should not treasure it because it's here one day. And gone the next. The same with the stock market, savings, 401k. Should you have a plan? Absolutely. Should you work with a financial planner? Absolutely. That is part of how our world operates. But pay attention to your heart because it will begin to shift over to this thing. You will begin to treasure it. You'll begin to find your security in it. And again, when you do that, you're at risk of damaging your heart because it's here one day, gone the next. With kids, and instead of treasuring their performance, just treasure them. Love them for who they are and where they're at in life and begin to open your hands. It's a little hard to do, but begin to open your hands to what God might have for them and begin to let go of your plan for their life and go, you know what? I'm just gonna treasure my child here and not their performance, and not their behavior, and not, you know, the, oh, everything's working out great for them in life. I'm just gonna treasure them. Your hobby, just see it as a hobby. Make sure it's secondary, make sure it's not taking the primary spot in your life. Reputation. You know who you have a reputation with? It's never gonna change. Your heavenly father. People of this world, even people that you think are friends, even people that are close, your reputation can change like that. So don't treasure that. But oh, you can treasure what God says is, says is true about you. You can treasure the reputation you have with him. You can treasure... The fact that he puts his hands on your shoulders and tells you, I love you, my son and my daughter. That's never going anywhere. And then when you treasure that, you can can deal a a lot better and, and a lot stronger with the lack of reputation you may have with some other people. And then lastly, stage of life. Don't try to... Don't try to make something permanent that you know is moving on. Just see it for what it is. Thank God for what it is and be open to what God wants to do in that stage of life. Don't hit the fast forward button to the next thing. Be in this season of life and be all there and pay attention to what God is up to. And again, all the other examples that you could put up here, you gotta look for what is lasting in these things in order to guard your heart. If you're not paying attention to what you're treasuring, well, you're not gonna be able to guard your heart because it's gonna be running all over the place. Your heart's on the move towards whatever you're treasuring. If you're gonna protect it, if you're gonna guard it, if you're gonna cultivate it, you gotta pay attention to that. So two questions for you as we wrap up today. And I want you to reflect on these questions personally first. And then later in the week, I want to encourage you to bring them up with somebody. Talk to somebody about it. Maybe somebody in your small group or maybe Thursday when you're eating turkey and your uncle's talking about who knows what, you can just cut right in with this question, okay? It'll give you a free pass to change the conversation, okay? Here's the first question. What are you currently treasuring that is not worth your heart? What are you currently treasuring that's not worth your heart? If you're finding significance and security and satisfaction in it, then Jesus says, hey, your heart is moving that direction. So is it worth it? And then the second question is like it. What are you not currently treasuring that is worth your heart? could ask it this way. Who are you not currently treasuring that is worth your heart? Husbands, are you treasuring your wife? If you're not, she knows it because your heart is not in it. Wives, are you treasuring your husbands? I know that's a much bigger ask than husbands to wife. Okay. I know that's much more challenging, you still got to do it. Are you treasuring your husbands? Are you treasuring something else? He'll know because your heart's in it. Your kids, friendships, relationships. How about this one? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, died and rose again, you've put your faith in him. You got baptized as a kid or you got baptized at some point. Are you treasuring your relationship with God? If you're not, your heart's not going to be in it. It's not gonna move in that direction. So this week, think about what you're treasuring. Talk to somebody about it this week and we will pick it up there in part three next Sunday of Check Your Heart. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you today um, for the life of Jesus For the way he loved, for the way he lived, um, for his death and resurrection. And thank you for these words that he spoke 2,000 years ago that were written down and preserved through the centuries so that we could glean wisdom from them today. And I pray that each of them would take them seriously. We would take your words seriously, Jesus, that we really would pay attention to our life and what we're treasuring. And for some of us, we may have a really easy uh, little tweak to make and we could do it by the end of the day. And it's like, oh yeah, this little treasure over here and be done with it. And other people, I just imagine they've got some really big things that they're going to have to make a shift on. And for that person, I just pray for courage and strength today. And wherever we are, God, would you give us the courage to take this to heart? We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.